0: This is the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore. We welcome Diana Carter to the program. How you doing, Diana?
1: I'm doing just fine, Bob.
0: Diana Carter uh, is an adjunct instructor in the Community Archaeology Program at Schenectady County Community College. We're going to talk with her about a number of digs that she's uh, been on. But I gather that you uh, got into this and became an instructor because you enrolled in uh, the college's uh, archaeology program?
1: That's correct. I actually uh, enrolled in the program after I retired, working 38 years for General Electric in the software engineering field. Really? But archaeology has always been my first love.
0: (laughs) And uh, this is is a fascinating program, and it... Uh, gets people out into the community. Um, how, how do you know, roughly how long has existed has the the community archaeology program and at Schenectady? And is that common, or do other schools have such uh, programs? Uh,
1: the program at the community college has been in existence since about 1998, uh, and we just had our 13th graduation huh? last week. Uh, it's not too common in New york state uh as a non credit program. The only other one I can think of off the top of my head is there is a uh summer program at the State University of binghamton um but archaeology is does not seem to be a a popular thing to have in community colleges. Let's put it that way in okay. New York. But
0: it sounds like you've, you've developed an audience. I mean, people want to do this. I mean, because you, you do it for self-satisfaction, right?
1: No, we do it for community service because we are in Schenectady and it is such a historic town. Uh, we do it to introduce people to archaeology. Um, people come to our program because they're interested in archaeology and history. And a lot of our people come to see if this is a career they want to pursue, mm-hmm. um, we uh, have people from age 16 on up in our program.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, and have any of the uh, alumni of the community archaeology program gone on to be to become archaeologists?
1: Yes, they have. Uh, we have one uh, young lady who. Uh, went through our program in high school while she was in high school and has gone on to Brinoir and is working on her doctorate right now in anthropology and archaeology. Uh, we have several of our people working in the field. Uh, Pat Barrett got her start with us. Uh, we have a couple of people working with the State Museum. So uh, it seems to be a a program that lets people explore whether they want to continue in the field or not if they're younger and if they're older, it lets them have their uh inner archaeologists come out
2: mm-hmm.
1: but mostly our our people do volunteer work in archaeology, and we are well known to archaeological groups, professional archaeological groups in the area,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so that they know that we have trained our people in the correct processes. And train them how to work under professional archaeologists
0: now uh, let me ask you this do, sure. do you think the Indiana Jones movies which were then he was an archaeologist kind of spur this interest in archaeology?
1: I think it was there before Indiana Jones uh, as I said we we started in about 1988 um, we do get the occasional Indiana Jones and we have to retrain them I
2: see. <laughs>
0: So you don't have to wear a fedora to do this?
1: No, but a sun hat is recommended in the summer.
0: Okay. Um, I was at a, a gathering, actually it was of the, the local symphony, it's the symphony orchestra, and Diana was uh, there and uh, talked at... at uh, very interestingly, and I, this is what I'd like to ask you about, about some of the digs that have been done by the Community Archaeology Program, most of them in Schenectady Stockade. But let me start with the one that's not in the stockade. You uh, did a uh, an investigation or a dig of the camp that was created by the famous General Electric scientist Charles Steinmetz.
1: That is correct. We were asked to do it um, by Jamie McFarland, and uh, we did a lot of research. The, it actually started with our documents class, and I was in the documents class, uh, doing research to see if we could find the location of the camp. And it sort of grew into a three-year project and a presentation at the New York State Archaeological Association meeting and a student prize. So, um, as as I told you before, I all I can say about the location of the camp is it is on the Mohawk River. But one of the interesting things we found out in our research, in reading books about Steinmetz, uh, the claim was always that the lightning strike was in 1920. And one of our people was at the museum looking at photographs that Steinmetz took of the lightning strike. And he turned the picture over, and there in Steinmetz's writing was August 19th, 1919. Okay. And we actually went and checked newspapers. It turned out that on that day in 1919, there was a huge thunderstorm, and in Schenectady, a 10-year-old girl was killed on Broadway. She was hit by a car in the middle of the storm. Hmm. So we did get... collateral proof that there was a storm on that day. And to do due diligence, uh, we checked in 1920, and apparently nothing recorded about a storm.
0: Okay, but I'm really out to lunch on the whole thing. That lightning strike hit his camp, or what was
1: It hit his camp. It hit the top of the camp, went through some electrical wires, destroyed a mirror in the dormitory, and uh, one of his pictures actually shows the the trace of the lightning strike going to ground at one of the um, the wooden pillars that was holding the camp up.
0: Hmm. Was he able to uh, continue using the camp or rebuild it?
1: Oh yes, he continued to use it. Um, he this is 1919, and he continued to use the camp until he died in 1923.
0: Hmm. Well, he was certainly a very interesting uh, person, and um, the the camp was just. Uh, Uh, Part of his importance, obviously, I mean, he was a big, uh, the wizard of Schenectady, right?
1: Right. And one of the fun things about that lightning strike was um, after it struck the mirror in the dormitory, he collected all of the pieces of the mirror and put it back together again to see how the lightning traveled through the mirror. And that was part of his research for constructing his lightning room at G.E.,
0: Ah okay, well, I'm glad you made that connection because I didn't know something about that he he did you know study lightning and the, I suppose this it kind of almost studied him.
1: Yes <laughs> well, he wasn't at the camp fortunately when it hit.
0: Oh, he wasn't okay
1: yeah, right. he he found out about it the next day um, but his uh, his lightning research was because um, lightning was attracted to the electrical lines. Mm-hmm. the the power lines, mm-hmm. and uh, he wanted to find out some way to stop the lightning from hitting the lines, and if he couldn't stop them hitting the lines, to protect the lines uh, and get the electricity out of the power lines so it wouldn't travel down the lines and short out all your light bulbs in your house, for example. Huh. So um, that's where um, the idea of the lightning arresters on the power lines that you see hmm Came from.
0: Wow. At so. the beginning of the story about Steinmetz, you said it was done at the request or something like that of Jamie McFarland. Who was yes. that?
1: Uh, Jamie McFarland was uh, the town of Glenville historian, I believe, at the time. Gotcha. Um, we usually don't go out and find things on our own. We usually have people come to us and make requests of us especially people in the stockade, because they know it is an historical area and uh, you may be disturbing important information.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, let's move on to your uh, digs in the stockade done by the Community Archaeology Program. Uh, the stockade of uh, Schenectady was uh, settled by the Dutch, correct, in the 1600s? Uh,
1: 1661, Okay.
0: Correct. And one of the sites that you've uh, worked on is at the uh, Dutch church. I mean, there still is a successor church to that church there. But, uh, could you uh, tell us about that?
1: Uh, the First Reformed Church of Schenectady. Um, that block was very interesting, and we've always been interested in going to it. And we, uh, the archivist of the church approached us, and we got permission from the church to do the dig this year. Um the property, when you look at the church on Union Street, it's a very large property. It was not always that large. Uh, it was actually originally split into two properties. Uh, the property on the corner was for the church parsonage, and the property next door between the parsonage and what is now the Yates House uh, was owned by a man called Christian Christensen. And we know that because after the 1690 French and Indian attack, uh, he requested a copy of his deed, which had been destroyed in the attack. Mm -hmm. Uh, That property later got split into two. And we indeed research and uh, reconstructing what was going on with the properties uh, in the 1800s. The property next to the church parsonage was owned by Isaac Riggs, who was a publisher of the Schenectady Cabinet in the early 1800s. It was a weekly newspaper mm-hmm. and one of our first newspapers. The other property um, in the early 1800s was owned by Jacob Van Vechten, who was the minister of the church. Mm-hmm. And I have to throw a caveat in here. It was his parsonage but he owned it personally. The church did not own it because we have a record of him selling the house when he left Schenectady in 1850, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. And it was later bought by Aaron Berenger, who was a prominent local attorney. In 1861, there was a fire at the church. Uh, The along with the church being destroyed, the Riggs house was badly damaged, and the church bought the Riggs property, uh, raised the house, and built their 1862 church. And you see the facade of the 1862 church now when you, when you look at it. Um, in 1911, the church brought, bought the uh, Beringer house and converted it into a parsonage for the church, in 1938 the house was in pretty bad condition apparently so they raised that house and made it made the area into a lawn mm-hmm. but that particular those particular properties have a very long history probably going back to the 1660s um, we had got permission this spring to do what we call shovel tests on the Beringer property to see if we could locate where the house was and we did find the foundation of the house Mm. and we've also been working um for the last month in an area in back of the house called we call it archaeologically it's called a kitchen midden. uh for everybody else it's a garbage dump (laughs) see
0: (laughs) and you find a lot of good stuff in dumps right
1: oh yes we do we we found uh bones of pig cattle um We may have a bit of horse bone, a lot of ceramics from a lot of different uh, datable ages, which is very exciting for us because that helps us, gives us a better picture of the house. And not only that, gives us a picture of the people living in the house.
0: Hmm. And um, you're still working on this here in the summer of 2016? Is this what you're doing?
1: Yes, um, we'll be working on it. through uh, the beginning of August and we have an open house on Saturday, August 6th from uh, 10 to 2 uh, for people to come and look at the foundation that we have found. Mm. So
0: what, what, what do you see with, with something like that? I mean, for this specific example or maybe, uh, t- I don't know, typically you, you have like a, like a sort of fenced off area and a, like a hole in the ground and, th- and things like that?
1: And that's exactly it. Wow. We, fortunately, we're behind a fence to start with, Okay. the church fence. But we do uh, try to fence off the area. We, we have two holes in the ground, rather large holes. Uh, at night, though, we cover them up and fence them off so people won't go stumbling into them playing Pokemon.
0: <laughs> that's a good point.
1: Yeah, very good point. And,
0: and when you're done, do you you put the dirt back and everything or what?
1: We put the dirt back, and we restore the lawn. Oh, very good. Yeah, it's it's a production. <laughs>
0: I guess so. Uh, Diana Carter uh, joins us, the Community Archaeology Program at Schenectady County Community College. Another place that you've been working in the stockade is 109 Union Street. Can you tell us about that? Uh,
1: that was our first big project. It started in 2002 and ended in 2008, Um, and we were in the backyard of the house doing research. This yard seems to be a relatively undisturbed yard when you look at what has been going on in the stockade in the 17th, 18th, 19th, and even into the 20th century with people uh, taking down and rebuilding. So uh, we went into this yard specifically to see if we could find out how people were using their yards in the 1700s, 1800s, 1900s. And uh, we tend to refer to it as the big dig. It was very large. Really? Uh, We did find at least three uh, phases of development in the yard. Uh, We had three pillars from the 1800s, Uh, Underneath those three pillars, we had a layer of, um, we call it party party at the Yates' house. It was a layer of rather large oyster shells and beef ribs. (laughs) Oh, I see. (coughs) (laughs) And uh, we had some dark soil, essentially topsoil under that. And then we have a layer, which is a sand layer with... um, what we call board stains in it. Board stains are essentially dark stains that are left when boards deteriorate in light soil. Mm-hmm. So and so we we're trying to piece together at this point exactly what the significance is of all of these layers and what do they tell us about, how people were using the yard and who who did it. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. When you un- how do you know you found something when I mean, you uncover it, or how does that work?
1: Uh, well, we we look for what we call features. A feature can be something as simple as somebody uh, cleaned out their stove or their furnace, their coal stove or their coal furnace, and dumped the ash in the backyard. And that ash is going to be gray, and it shows up wonderfully well against dark soil. Mm-hmm. Or it can be, for example, uh, this the stone and brick pillar that we found. Uh, it can be just a layer of soil that is different from the other layers of soil that we're looking at, mm. which may indicate that, that some activity was going on at that particular place and time that was different from what was going on above it or below it.
2: Hmm.
0: Diana Carter uh, with us from the Community Archaeology Program at Schenectady County Community College. And their offices, uh, you were telling me, is in a, a building that's of historic interest to me, uh, in, in the former home of WRGB television in the stockade.
1: That's correct. We're down in CST-100 uh, it's now the Center for Science and Technology for the Community College. Uh, but you walk in the foyer and you can still see uh, pictures of what the building looked like when WRGB owned it. And I remember going down myself. I, when I was a kid, I was at the YWCA day camp. Mm-hmm. And we went down one morning to the Sonny and Ernie show <laughs> with Ernie Tetro.
0: <laughs> Who was Sonny?
1: I forget Sonny's last name, but it was a morning program.
0: Right. Yeah. And
1: we went down and we're demonstrating various activities. I got to demonstrate archery.
0: Oh, very good. <laughs> uh, and I think before it was WRGB, wasn't it the Edison Club? Or is that. Ah. Uh, well, anyway, that's right.
1: Yeah, in the 1800s, it was some sort of club. Yeah. Or maybe
0: that. maybe it wasn't the Edison Club, but some sort of club. Yeah. Well, let Let me ask you about another of your uh, digs in the Schenectady stockade. Uh, you did you've done some work at thirty two Front Street.
1: That's correct. Uh, we were asked by the owner to uh, examine his backyard because he knew he was uh, the house was fairly historic, and he was going to be doing some landscaping which was going to involve removing some topsoil. So we went in, and in the front part of the backyard, we found a stone uh, foundation. We're not sure what it was for. It could have been for a privy. It could have been for an ice house. Um, It was very ambiguous. Uh, But one of the things the owner told us was that the previous owner said that the 1690 stockade went through the backyard. Mm. So we decided to put in, well, actually, Louise Bassa decided to put in an exploratory trench going toward the back of the yard to see if we could find any sign of that stockade. And uh, we never found the stockade, but we found the French and Indian War. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This backyard is right outside of where the fort would have been, during the French and Indian War and the Revolution. You remember the fort was mm-hmm. right where Lawrence the Indian is. Mm. And uh, we found all sorts of paraphernalia. I think we found about five uh, pieces of what we call solid and hollow shot. We, they're about, I'm i am looking at my hand now, maybe about six inches in diameter. Mm-hmm. Solid shot, and the same for the hollow shot. The hollow shot would have been filled with gunpowder and a fuse put in the top and thrown at the enemy. We also found some silver braid. Uh, We found lots of ceramics, uh, trade beads, pins. Uh, It was just amazing (laughs) what was coming out. Uh, Wine glass stems, and all of it datable to between uh, 1745 and 1760, Hmm. which uh, gave credence to our saying, it's it's a French and Indian war. And this is really our first actual proof uh, that there were troops massed here, and the records say there were about 5,000 colonial and English troops massed in Schenectady, uh, to march west to attack the French forts along Lake Ontario.
0: Mm. Well, that's a large number of soldiers.
1: That's right. I think it's even bigger than the population of the town at the time. <laughs>
0: sure. Uh, also, you, you mentioned a, a name. Uh, who is Louise Bassa? Uh,
1: Louise Bassa is one of the founders of the program. The commun- and she has been working in the program since uh, the beginning with Ron Kingsley, who is the co-founder. And uh, she was the one responsible for that dig at uh, 32 Front Street.
2: Hmm.
1: Also,
0: you had one uh, other dig I'd at least like to get in. Uh, We have about uh, five minutes left, and it's the one at uh, 12 Union Street?
1: Yes, that was another interesting one. Uh, The landowner called us and said, I have subsidences in my backyard, and I know my backyard is where... The Saratoga and Schenectady Railroad ran between 1832 and
0: 1837. Hmm. I'm not sure I understand. What you he had what in his backyard? Some
1: parts of his land he had like little sinkholes. Okay, (laughs) his land was dropping. All right, (laughs) and uh, you know where Railroad Avenue is?
0: Uh, Not offhand, but it's in that area.
1: Right between Erie Boulevard and State Street. that's how it got its name. That's where the railroad ran mm-hmm. between 1832 and 1837. The terminus was at Erie Boulevard. It ran through the stockade to the Burr Bridge at the foot of Washington Avenue, mm-hmm. across the bridge, and then up to Boston Spa in Saratoga. Mm. And uh, Don Rittner uh, did find evidence of it in another block. Uh, we were asked by the homeowner to do to look for, look at 12 Union Street to see what we could find. We did find part of the wall, but it had been robbed. Uh, we also found out we ended up taking a backhoe into the yard with the permission of the landowner mm-hmm. uh, to see if we could get down and find evidence of the railroad bed. Uh, we never found evidence of the railroad bed, but what we did find was there was about three feet of dark soil, and underneath that dark soil, apparently, when they closed the railroad, they filled this cut with sand, mm-hmm. 12 feet of sand. <clears throat> and it's very difficult to take a backhoe to that amount of sand.
0: I'm sure. And uh, Don is a well-known historian in, in our area, right? Yes, he is. Yeah. Um, one other... Uh site maybe we have a couple minutes left 234 Union Street
1: yes sir Uh, that was another interesting property again at the request of the homeowner uh, we went to the site because again she was going to be doing landscaping in the backyard and when they bought the house they went to the Historical Society to do a little bit of research and found out that prior to their house being built in about 1899 There was a very large house on the site. Uh, Their house is one of four townhouses. Those four townhouses were originally occupied by a very large house who had some very interesting owners. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first owner of record that we can find was Dirk Romijn, who was pastor of the First Reformed Church in the late 1700s and who founded Union College. Mm -hmm. When he died, he sold his wife and children sold the house to James Duane another famous
2: name Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, when Duane died uh, Simon Groh ended up with the house he was a local merchant when he died um, Edward Rosa was the last uh, purchaser of that house a local attorney and uh, I believe a bank officer at Mohawk Bank Uh, we went into the backyard and did one test square, and it happened to be a test square where the owner was going to put a reflecting pool. Mm. And we found out that there were eight inches of dark topsoil and then about a foot of very light sandy clay. And there was construction debris at the top of the layer of sandy clay and more construction debris at the bottom of the layer. And underneath the sandy clay was, again, dark soil. And right at the top of that dark soil, uh, there was a landscape feature. Uh, There was a compressed stone walkway. There was a cobblestone walkway. And there was a pile of largest cobbles, which looked like may have been part of a rock garden at one time. So uh, we were able to tell the landowner and also her neighbors that they could go down about a foot and a half uh, before they would hit anything that might be archaeologically significant and pertaining to that house.
0: Well, Diana Carter, I thank you for joining us. We're uh, just out of time. She's an adjunct instructor in the Community Archaeology Program at Schenectady County Community College. You can find out about uh, joining uh, this endeavor uh, on, online, I'm sure, of, of uh, Schenectady County Community College. Diana, thanks very much. You have a good day.
1: You too, Bob, and thanks for having me.